Hello, welcome to Whole Human. Today we are focusing on joy and looking at St. Joseph to help us deepen into our experience of joy. If you'd like to grow in your relationship with God the Father, I invite you to check out the known program I developed with my partner, Dr. Matt Bruninger. You can look up more about that program on knownbythefather.com. Okay, I'm going to start by reading uh, the Gospel that Isaac's going to do his reflection. So today we're reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I should say, I made a mistake last week. I, I read out of the wrong version. I, I tend to read out of the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, the Catholic edition. Last week I didn't, but that's what I'm reading from, the NRSV CE. So it says, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. He named him Jesus. Thanks, Matt. I just wanted to point out something that I think is um, just funny from that passage before I, I start talking more about what I actually want to talk about. <laughs> um, and I just hear a lot of people talking about discernment, which is really amazing. And like one of the few things we know about Joseph is his discernment process and just how he gets it wrong. <laughs> He's like deciding what what to do. What does God want me to do in this situation? And he just has his he has his own wisdom. He has like the knowledge he has to work with. And based on that, he makes a decision. He's like, okay, I'm going to dismiss her quietly. Um, so making a decision out of love with the factors he knows. And he just gets a dead wrong. <laughs> and then God's not flustered by that. He's just like, okay, I'll send an angel and tell you what's going on and what you should do. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to point that out because I think often we get stuck discerning and we stay in this like discernment middle ground of like, I'm not actually going to choose because I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure. So I'm not going to choose. Whereas Joseph shows us really clearly, like just choose, like make, make a decision with within prayer, within your own wisdom, within your own knowledge, choose. And then if you get it totally wrong, God is God and he can just send an angel and tell you what to do. <laughs> so like, I, I just wanted to throw that out there as like, as another way we, we don't need to be afraid. If we desire to follow God and are willing to choose and choose like within love and within our own wisdom, 
he he'll show us the way he's not specifically trying to hide from us and then like sit back and judge us so yeah that was just a little aside i wanted to actually start by talking about the overall journey we're walking on i was reflecting on it more today and it's just beautiful i really like seeing how themes go together and then i put together my themes based on the church's themes and then to be able to see how God brings about actually a lot more depth, even within that. So our first step was on hope. And we were talking about Zechariah. And like a, a simple way to say it is if we give God our desires, he gives us hope. We give God our desires, he gives us hope. And then our second step, we're looking at Mary and reflecting on peace and her yes to God. And I, I thought I could summarize this in like, if we give God our wills, he gives us peace. And so within that gaze, we, we align ourselves, our will with his will, and we get peace. So we give him our desires and we get hope. We give him our will and we get peace. Um, and our step today is going to be we give him our efforts and he gives us joy. We give him our efforts and he gives us joy. And then the step we take next week is we give him our unworthiness and he gives us love. So these are the exchanges that, that we were making and in this journey. And so it's just, it's just really beautiful to be able to see like, what, what is it that we are bringing to him and what is it that he, he wants to fill us with. And so today with Joseph, I want to look at how we give him our efforts. Like Joseph is a carpenter, but he, like, I imagine that he's also aware that he's in the line of David. And so there's this great king in his lineage. And so he's in, the, in a line of kings. And so there's this sense of like a kingdom, a grand scale of things. You have King David who can, who can make decrees and actually change an entire people's path trajectory. And then you have Joseph who makes tables. And it's like he can make a good table or a bad table, and it doesn't change much. But you you have this heart of a king in him. I think I can identify a lot of my own heart with that heart of like wanting to be great, wanting to change the world, seeing a people that suffers and is oppressed and wanting the Messiah, wanting salvation for your people, wanting change, wanting newness. And then what do you do? You go and make tables. I think that there's something really beautiful for us to learn here. And this was this was actually really important for me in college. There's like a, a long story I can go into behind it. But basically, I, I had this huge desire. I've always had a huge desire for mission. Um, but in college, I got to this point, which was actually like one of the more difficult breaking points for me. It was like, I wanted great mission. I wanted to do amazing things for God. And I wanted to do amazing things in the world. And then, like, I just, I kept waiting for this great commission to come. And what I got was another daily day. I just got life. <laughs> I, got, I got to go to class and do homework and all the normal things. And at that time, like my heart actually became very bitter about that. Like, I want greatness and you give me just this. You just give me a day, a normal day, and then another normal day. Like, I want to give my whole life for you and do 
beautiful, great things. And then you just give me a day <laughs> like that. There's there seems something really problematic about that in my college Isaac brain. Basically, I'll just shorten it to like I had a breakdown and got pretty angry at God. And but it started a new path for me where God wanted to teach me to love mundane things. He wanted to teach me to love little things, to love trees and to love a day and to love a person that's in front of me and to love walking and air. <laughs> he wanted to teach me how to love a day and a minute, a moment, how to see it and love it. And so I think Joseph is a really beautiful way of showing us this, that Joseph has this heart of a king who sees his people and who sees his people oppressed and probably all the different factions even within his own people and the squabbling and the shallow living that can happen. And he makes tables and then he's going to get married and he's just going to live a life. And within that life, God makes this profound call to him to be this shepherd, to be this, this guardian for his son, for his son who will save the world. Well, what does that call look like? It looks like making tables. <laughs> it looks like traveling across the country to go to a place that you know is kind of your home city, but you've never really been there and you don't really belong there and you don't have relatives there who can take you in. So you end up in a barn and then somebody's trying to kill you. And so you have to go to Egypt where you've never been and you're now an immigrant in a foreign land. And what do you have to do? You have to make tables. You have to earn a living. You have to put food on the table. But now in each of those things, making tables, selling a table, getting food, he's feeding God through his strength, through his skill as a carpenter. He is keeping God alive in the world. He is feeding the Almighty. He's sheltering the Almighty. He's protecting the Almighty. Jesus is coming, is coming into the world to save the world. And Joseph participates in that by making tables and selling them and feeding God. Joseph fully participates in the salvation of his people, in the freeing of his people, in the new life for his people. But he does it in a really day-to-day -day way, in kind of an uncomfortable day-to-day -day way where he has to leave. He keeps being uprooted and just walking. Like the trip to Egypt is walking <laughs> and then finding ways to get food and finding ways to get water and finding places to stay and humbling yourself before other people so that you can get food and water and a place to stay and having to discern who's trustworthy, who's not trustworthy, finding a job, hiring yourself out to somebody who's maybe even less skilled than you. And in these ways, he keeps God alive in the world. He keeps God fed. God grows up in his house. I can, I can get into this mindset of like, okay, all right, tables, that's the mission. Okay, I'm going to make great tables, and I'm going to make lots of great tables, and I'm going to, like, I, I'll be like, okay, this is a weird way to be on mission for God, but I'll make tables. And then I'm like in my zone of making tables. But then God keeps uprooting Joseph. An angel comes and doesn't give him advanced warning. He just says, get up take the child and his mother, and go somewhere else. And so what does he have to leave? He has to leave all the tables that he just made, that he never sold. 
He has to leave his workshop, most of his tools, most of the way that he thought he was going to serve God the next day, most of the mission that he had attached, like the format of the mission he thought he had. But that wasn't actually his mission. His mission was to protect God, to shepherd God, to be like a father to God. And so he can freely leave the tables. He can freely leave the workshop because he carries with him what matters. Like, how often do I get stuck being like, okay, I figured out my mission here. It's to do this. <laughs> I am going to build lots of great psychology theory and use that psychology theory to change the entire field of psychology. And then I'm going to da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and then that part of my job doesn't work out. And I have to move. I have to change. Or how often I get attached to my own idea of like even in this ministry which i love and i receive so much from and is so full of grace i can get so attached to numbers i can get so attached to formats i can get so attached to okay this is the way i'm going to do it i got and i actually forgotten about the child jesus <laughs> i've forgotten about jesus my mission in the first place was like i want to serve jesus i want him to be alive in my life and alive in the world but then I get so focused on the tables, and when God calls me to leave them behind, I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to leave all those tables. They're so nice, and I haven't even sold them yet. And think of, like, I just had this new idea for a new de table design, and this one's going to be, like, the best table, and I'm going to, like, I'm going to change how tables are made. Like, this is, this is how Isaac's brain works, if you <laughs> want a little insight. <laughs> yes, I am crazy in my own way. He calls me to stay close to his son. And if his son's going to be an immigrant in Egypt, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to stay with my tables because my tables don't matter. I want to be with Jesus. And I think this is when we really have joy. When all our efforts know where they're oriented. When I make a table and it feeds God. It keeps God alive in the world. It is for the Savior of the world. Like my little effort belongs and is part of the salvation of the world. All the people that I love, all the people that I care about, all the problems that I see, all the heartbreak that's out there. Like when that is connected to me just making a few plates for my boys for lunchtime when I'm with them, that's beautiful. There's joy there. Like I, I'm present, like we were talking about last time, I'm present, but that presence is full of of like a full meaning, a full trajectory that includes within it the salvation of the world, my salvation, the salvation of, of humanity. I'm working with a pretty new client and she's, she's really great. She's very depressed and rather caught up in, I don't even know necessarily how to describe it, but like, like an internet world. The interactions she has most are online. And so she has a very interesting view of, of all of life. But she asks amazing questions. I think depressed people ask really good questions when they're allowed to ask questions. She asks questions like, what's the point? Why should I care? <laughs> what do my efforts do? If people just die in the end, why does it matter? Why shouldn't I just die? If there are 8 billion people on the planet, what does it even matter if I help one person? Those are beautiful questions. 
The problem with those questions is that we don't actually ask them as questions. Problem isn't with the questions themselves. It's that we, we ask them as if there's no point. We ask, what's the point? As if there's no point. We ask them as if they're statements. There's no point instead of what is the point? Because what is the point is like a beautiful question. What, what's the point, Lord? Like think about asking that to the Lord with curiosity. What is the point of me waking up so early and being so tired? Like what does that serve? What does it matter if I do this well or not? If I do my paperwork well or not? If I make the table well or not? What does it matter? What does it matter to you? If there's 8 billion people on the planet, why did you give me this person? These are good questions. Even the question of why shouldn't I just die now is a good question. What is this life for me? What, why do you have me here? What do you want from me? What is this for? What does this serve? Depressed people ask good questions because <laughs> when we're not depressed, we're too busy like doing a bunch of stuff. But I think we often have these questions. Like if I feel so much zeal for the kingdom of God, why do I just have to keep doing homework for this class I don't really care about? What's the point? Why, why are you asking this of me, Lord? When, when we really believe, when we really start to see, like St. Joseph, that our little efforts, that our little attention to detail as we make that table, as we make a plate of food, as we do homework, as we do paperwork, that somehow that's part of God's salvation in the world. It's part of the way he wants to arrive and be sustained in the world is through our efforts. Then we can have joy in small things. And I want to say something too, is that there's, there's still a desire in me to be great. And St. Joseph, his time in the Bible, he doesn't do a whole lot. Like we don't see a whole lot that he does. He gets up and does what angels tell him to do. <laughs> and, and then we don't see much of him. But I was, I was thinking about this, is that today, more people love St. Joseph than love Taylor Swift. <laughs> more people in the world today love St. Joseph than Taylor Swift. In, in a lot of ways, God kept him hidden, kept him as this practical hidden man. In a way, like he, he hides Joseph close to his heart. But he always loves to show what he loves the most. He wants to give us the best. And so then over time, he shows us Joseph more and more and more because he loves Joseph. Like St. Therese of Lisieux lives in a cloistered convent and then dies young. And now people all over the world love her and have real relationships with her. People have real relationships with St. Joseph and look to him all the time for guidance that he's well-loved today. And it isn't because he put himself out there. It isn't because he was famous and just like worked the system. He made tables. And with those tables, he fed God. And he stayed in the background serving God. And now God has brought him to the foreground for people to love. So when we bring God our efforts, like first of all, it just brings us joy because our efforts have found their true home. They found their true purpose. What's the point? They found their point. And then it's God who can exalt us. <laughs> like we, the story of those who exalt themselves, like are humbled, but those who humble themselves are exalted. I think of so often my desire to exalt myself, 
and it leaves me just like anxious and empty. But there have also been so many times where the Lord speaks to my goodness in a way that both humbles me and fills me. It's amazing. God wants to teach us how to love, how to love our life. And within our life, He wants us to sustain Him in the world through our efforts, through our love. Hey, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a review on your podcast app and share this with a friend. I also want to remind you to check out the Known program, Known, Embraced by the Heart of the Father. You can find it at knownbythefather.com. It's amazing.